0: Iowa everywhere. Live from the Channel Seed Studios. Channel Seed Studios. This is Jared and Jaybo and Iowa, Iowa everywhere. everywhere. Jer- Jared Stansberry. Jordan Bohannon. Jordan Bohannon. Together on Iowa everywhere. Channel Seed. Seedsmanship at work. Yo, welcome into the podcast. It's April 12th, almost 10 o'clock at night. We're out here grinding, burning the midnight oil for the people. Uh, got a lot to talk about here today in the channel studio, uh, channel seed studios, as always, here on Iowa, everywhere. Iowa State with a couple of basketball commitments. Iowa gets a, a big commitment uh, as well. And uh, everybody is in the transfer portal, it seems, at this point around the world of college basketball. Uh, I believe. I saw the statistic that 20% of men's college basketball players have entered the transfer portal at this point. Uh, I saw someone doing some math today, th- uh, thinking about the number of roster spots that are available, the number of guys that have gone into the portal, and the number of guys that come in from high school and junior college on a given year, and like the number of people that could potentially be left without spots. It's an interesting time for college basketball right now, Jordan Bohannon.
1: Yeah, it's definitely the. You're kind of seeing the trickle down effect right now. You couldn't really tell from the first year, but I think now the second year and into the third year, I think you're starting to see it's starting to trickle down into the high school and high school commitments becoming hard to really navigate for the, for both sides the, the 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 player themselves in high school and the universities um, in both the, those aspects. So. You kind of saw it coming. You, if you guys, if people did the math at home, while all, all these guys from I in mean, the transfer portal, they're gonna they're gonna have to find a school. And these commitments are trying to figure out where they're going to school. At the end of the day, it's gonna one's gonna come up and push and push comes to shove at one point. So it's interesting to see. I would love to sit in on a coaching meeting right now in college basketball and see where their heads are at coming, especially with the summer coming in AAU season and see where their head is at on what their priority is. Is their priority going out and recruiting for a grad transfer or someone that's played at a school for two to three years, or is the priority going to be we want this kid. We want a young kid coming in and build a program around them.
0: I feel like that will be part of the, the shift. Won't, you know, it, how many programs, you know, are going to be primarily hired guns basically. And then, you know, the rest of the, the, you, maybe you'll have a couple guys that are like program guys, two or three, you know, or then which programs are going to be like, okay, well, we're going to go all the way the other way and maybe miss on some recruits. And then, you know, you're going to be more active with the grad transfers, but try and be more aggressive to get, you know, fewer, maybe get higher end guys. Uh, and try and still build the foundation of your program with the high school kids. I think that that's where, you know, you look at what Iowa State's even doing right now with the recruiting class that they're bringing in, and then you, you know, add that on to Tame and Lipsy and Demary Watson, and, like, you'll have six guys that have come in from high school in two years, which will be, I mean, I think if you looked across Big 12 rosters, that'll probably be as many as you're going to find, you know?
1: Yeah, and I think the best teams you're kind of seeing... Um, obviously, there's some scenarios with some teams that made runs in the NCAA tournament with a lot of grad transfer guys, and a lot of transfers in general, and older guys on their team, like San Diego State was a very, very old roster. Um, you're kind of seeing that the teams that have been doing it with the transfer portal are kind of the teams... And the, the coaches and the universities are kind of getting the upper hand right now because they've, they have a head start. They've had a head start for years. They know how to do it. They know how to navigate the transfer portal. And they know how to navigate their teams to bring guys in who's learned a whole system for three to four years. I think that's that's something that's definitely overlooked with the transfer portal is how hard it is to find a guy that's been playing at a school in a system for three to four years. And completely reevaluate his game, transfer his game, transition his game into a totally different system, a totally different coach, a totally different environment. That that's I mean, that's why you get paid millions of dollars now as a coach, because that's that's definitely a job you have to do. But that's that's something that's really hard to navigate. I think that's been overlooked immensely.
0: I think people will be surprised to see how there'll be kind of a shift in value from school to school of of transfers. That have multiple years remaining and guys that are graduate transfers. Like the graduate transfers will remain the most valuable guys. But I think some schools too will start to look, you know, at someone who's a freshman. You can't transfer again theoretically based under what the these no, you know, the rules they say they're gonna the way they're gonna enforce them. I mean some places it might be advantageous if there's a guy who's, you know, Iowa State again, like Iowa State's taking two guys that are, are have multiple years of eligibility that have been freshmen of the years in their conference and are sophomores and freshmen, you know. It's like that those guys are going to be valuable too to some to schools like Iowa State where they can or or in Iowa where you can see, you know, this guy's played really high level as a a young guy at the, you know, Southern Conference or in the Horizon or whatever it may be and you give them an opportunity to make a leap. And I think there's a lot of high school kids that are flying under the radar right now, too, that are going to end up with only one or two offers that end up at schools like that and then make the jump to Power 5 later on. And there's just like kind of a uh, a natural like flow of the guys that don't make it at the Power 5 that then flow down back to those other schools.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I also think something other to think about is the fact how, how hard it is for these high school kids to think about where they're going to school, they commit to a school and then a grad transfer comes in and maybe has their position. We're kind of seeing now, granted, I've always been a proponent of like believing in like trusting the process and understanding your time will come. And, you know, it might take two to three years for some guys to start. It might take three to four years for some guys to see the floor. That's how I I believe the college game should be. And I think a lot of teams are, you're kind of seeing that with some teams have made some runs there, there's some guys that have been in the program for a while and I've learned the system and gotten their chance. Um, I think, I think that's something that will kind of be even more beneficial coming in is recruiting guys from high school and trusting that these guys you're getting are going to trust in what you're, what you're promising to these kids because right now there's so many promises being made to hundreds of thousands of kids out there, um, that are trying to commit to schools, and cry, frankly, some of these coaches aren't. A lot of these promises aren't going to be made, and that's something that's been happening in college sports for a while. But you have to, as a as a young kid in high school, you have to understand that this, this might this might be a learning process for some guys coming out these mid major, high major schools that are get these guys that they're three to four year guys. They're going to be playing thirty five minutes a game, and it's going to be really hard to get them off the floor.
0: I think uh, there's going to be. Man, I can't remember exactly what I was going to say. But it just is – It it's like there will be a, a natural – I think there will be a natural correction on some level where like we won't have this many guys that go into the portal, you know. Like I think it's an element of it still being a shiny new toy, you know. And I think you would hope that – and I think this is the feeling – that I've been able to get from around college athletics is that there's is only going to have to go on for a couple of years where it happens in this way, you know, in that there will be changes, whether it's, you know, stu- like student athletes being employees of the university, whatever it may be that some, the framework of how this works will change pretty drastically.
1: Yeah. You touched on a great point. I, I was just going to say that I think if we're moving forward outside the, the transfer portal and the NIL, because everything is so brand new right now, we're still in the honeymoon phase of it all, and kids are trying to figure it out and understand what it all means and find these new schools and might work with them. I think what we're going to see down the line that that, that will kind of recalibrate. What's the word? Help me out here.
0: Recalibrate.
1: Recalibrate. That, that's what yeah, I wanted to there say. there you go. Um, and it's when these, there's going to be contracts being signed for these universities when they when they become employees of these universities. It's going to happen at some point within a year or five years that kids are going to sign these contracts to become employees of these universities, and I think that's going to help with kind of navigating the whole situation. And it's all going to come um, back to equilibrium on on the transfer portal, NIL. I think that's the last step to kind of figure this whole. Honeymoon phase out at, at some point. It, it need, I think that's that's the final kind of cherry on the top.
0: Yeah, it, it just is. It, there's just no framework whatsoever of anything. You know, it, there's a website where there's the transfer portal exists, and then there's just then everything else is free for all. You know, which is. I, I think is good was good on some level. Like I think maybe the floodgates needed to open a little bit just to get some people to understand that everything wasn't going to completely fall apart. But then we can also sit here and say, okay, the floodgates maybe isn't the best way to approach this. How can we find some level of control here? That is not too much.
1: Right. And I I think from the floodgates aspect, I think the fact that the floodgates were open on NIL, I think that showed a lot of people like, wow, wow, I think we were completely wrong on how much these players are worth. And mm-hmm. I think we're seeing that every single day. You look at Caitlin, she's probably making you know $2 million plus now as a as a women's basketball player at a university. And everyone that, the very few, it got really to a point where there wasn't a lot of people that were counter, um, with a lot of counter arguments against athletes being paid. But I think you're seeing now the notoriety that these athletes have on, on campuses and their markability and their, how much value they hold at each of the universities that it's kind of all the floodgates that occurred with that kind of, I think, I think, I think from this aspect, all floodgates need to be open for us to understand mm-hmm. exactly what, what the hell is going on. Cause we, we, we have just a few floodgates open and there's still so much more than need to be shown of what these college athletes are meaning to a lot of these campuses.
0: Well, and I think this is important too: understanding what is the value of, of people. And that takes, good deals and bad deals, you yeah. know, and, and people have to make bad deals in order to understand what good deals are. And that just is, that's what to me, I feel like this year, there's a way less of a wild West feel to it than what there was a year ago, because that's because I think people were able to look at this past year and learn from some of the situations that people maybe got themselves into and say, okay, well, we don't want to do it this way, or we don't want to approach this uh, this way. And, and now you are able to take it forward and like gradually the entire system you would hope improves because everybody has a better understanding of what they're getting themselves into. All of the players have a better understanding of what their value is on the open market and things like that. And then all of the people that are trying to recruit and do, and you know, people that work for collectives and all that kind of stuff, they're less likely to maybe make a bad deal, which I imagine there were a lot of really bad deals that people made in the immediate aftermath of, of a lot of these things becoming, maybe not you know i don't even know not frowned upon because they certainly were frowned upon at the very beginning of all this stuff
1: yeah and nil collectives is something obviously we talked about this before i just never thought it would be at that extent where how much fans were involved on playing these players it should have been more booster based which i think a lot of
0: but that is what the boosters like that is what it is you know
1: right i mean theoretically yes but i'm saying like as tied to the common fan as much as it is, I feel like, I don't know. There's some NIL collectors out there across the the country that are, I feel like are trying to get more subscription based to the common fan. I, I, I envisioned it a lot more like boosters, the money that they donate to facilities, they would still do that, but also they would step up and pay, um, for some market market, uh, um, what, what's the word? I'm I'm completely blanking. Market opportunities for businesses throughout the communities, which that's still happening. But I think there's still some that it's so tight for these fans, it becomes a tricky slope on how these NIL collectives are trying to get new recruits when they're basically paying off some of these players already that are on the team. Like they're not necessarily recruiting new talent, if, if you understand what I'm saying. Like they're stuck on that that team, and then once they're out that team, they're kind of out of money for. And then they got to re up the subscription to these fans and the common fan got to pay for these new recruits coming in. And I feel like that, that can kind of, the, the people that are doing that, I think that might have a step back for some of these programs, the guys that are going to win the NIL battle are the ones that are stepping up hugely with the boosters. Like you go right to the boosters, the one that are giving you millions of dollars every year. Those are the people that are going to be handling it all at all.
0: And I just think at the end of the day, two things like that, that hold the players, to a standard of having to do like a bunch of extra stuff for the everyday fan you know and i'm sure there's not a ton of it but this you know these guys already got a lot of th- stuff going on yeah. you know and it just is like it just adds another thing you know i'm
1: not saying it, anything there's wrong with that no and it's it not it's yeah. not wrong like, it's just, it, it, how, it, it's just yeah. how some universities
0: are going about it yeah and it it will just be interesting to see how it evolves over time Cause I can't imagine that it will stay this way where in, I mean, do you, you're see, gonna you see fans become more and more brazen? Yeah. Because which is of what that, I was
1: trying to get at too. Do you see like that being like a feasible path for some of those NIL is what I was just explaining? Like, cause personally I don't think that's the correct way, but I mean, you might have a deferring opinion.
0: I mean, you couple that with sports betting, right. And people are just going to become more and more. Psycho. feeling like they've got skin in the game, you know? Yeah. And feeling like they've got skin in the game is going to make them feel like they can say more stuff. And that shouldn't probably be the case.
1: Yeah, like wanting a coaching change right away, wanting this player not to play at all. That's kind of what I was alluding to. Like Feeling I feel like... like
0: they're more important to the operation than what yep. they are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Which is like fans have their place, but fans are powerful in number, not like on individuals. And it's like giving people that mindset that they do have this like power, you know? <laughs> Yeah, when you have no power you just exactly. like can be an asshole is is basically how you have the power to do
1: yeah and, and i get it from like a marketing strategy and a business perspective like you get 20,000 fans you get $19 a month like that's going to add up in the long run obviously you can get a lot of money towards that but then you now you have 20,000 fans that all feel like they are the head coach and uh, the ad all of a sudden and i think that just creates a kind of a weird environment for games and just for the community as a whole uh, yeah do you i mean it's hard though like it, and i'm not saying there's nothing wrong with that either like i think yeah. that's i think that's great too like the players are getting money the fans want to promote the athletics they want to help the college athletes out like that's great but at what cost there's always pros and cons to everything
0: yeah and this kind of takes us into a story we were going to talk about the uh Top Syrac- the top booster at Syracuse. Our friends up at uh, at Syracuse. Adam Weitzman, who owns a scrap metal processing company. Apparently, this is very lucrative business. Uh, he is be. he is worth one billion dollars. <laughs> scrap metaling. He's a billionaire who pumps a large amount of money into Syracuse athletics. He frequently sits courtside at the carrier dome alongside high profile celebrities and athletes. There's these pictures of him with uh, Odell Beckham, Jr., Carmelo, Anthony, some other guys. He had promised to pay more than $2 million in NIL deals to current and future Syracuse athletes earlier this year, uh, which would be a very significant contribution uh, from one individual. He has since backed that or has said that he is disassociating himself from the Syracuse program and specifically from Syracuse basketball, because he gets bad vibes from Syracuse transfer or tra- uh, Chancellor Kent Sivrud Sivrood, Syvrud. I'm not sure how to say that name, but as his reason for, it says that's the reason he's stepping away. Uh, this is a quote from Syracuse.com. From what I understand, hearing it from sources at the university, he did not like the high profile nature of the celebrities coming to games and the way I was going about NIL, discussing it with the media, uh, he continues, he was not comfortable with that, but the only way I knew to go about doing NIL is to do it high profile. We are in Syracuse, New York. We have to bring attention to our area. Even though I didn't go to Syracuse, I love Syracuse never, Okay, uh, that doesn't really matter. But he's pulling $2 million out of the secure Syracuse basketball program. Uh, you want to talk about somebody who's got some power over a program, man. I mean how do you replace that? You can't replace that, that kind of benefactor with your program.
1: Yeah. And I think this kind of eludes the the problem with college sports. We have, we have administrators like that feeling their, their way is the only way, and they're not going to listen to anyone out. They want to do the old school way. They don't, they don't want anything other than what they think is right. And what does that sound like, Jared? That sounds like the the hundreds of years the NCAA has been in control and power and that's what the university has fed off of for all these hundreds of years and they've been teaching that down to all these college athletes that come through every four years that that was the only way and now we're seeing guys like this and NIL changing all these things changing they don't have the power anymore these administrators are they're caught with their, their their dick on the hand right now, like on the table. They don't know what to do. Pardon my language. I, I didn't. I want. I didn't want to cuss this, this episode. I don't,
0: I don't think we've said a single swear I word. Know, that was the and first you, one. That's but, what you did.
1: <laughs> but that's what's happening, though. They're losing their power, and they're afraid of that power being gone.
0: Yeah, and it it's just funny too because you know if Adam Weitzman gave however many dollars. To build a new basketball facility, or Carmelo Anthony gives however many dollars, millions of dollars to build a new basketball facility, they're flaunting that shit like it's going out of style. Yeah. You know they've got the videos on social media, they got the uh, they got the big waterfall with the big S, the big orange S in the middle, all that stuff showing off Syracuse University. Uh, but when you get this guy who wants to give two million dollars to the players and show off Syracuse University, we aren't down with that you know?
1: Yeah. I don't know. I, I just think I, I will go back to this when we're talking about, I forgot to touch on this. They were just reminding me of what we were talking about with the contracts, all these people with a big amount of money, like there, there's an issue right now because there is no restriction. Like I was totally okay with no restriction and finding out the marketability of all these athletes. Right. But there comes an extent, right. In the NBA and professional, there's like a cap, there's a salary cap. There's a certain amount of money you get all this stuff in the pro in the, in the, Um, programs that that's, that's what should happen in universities. Right. So not, there has to be some limit on, you know, what's going on in each of these universities and that ultimately uh, from what's happening right now in Syracuse, that's showing that it's going to that direction and Syracuse is trying everything possible to go the other direction because they don't want that happening.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think eventually these, what amounts to the collectives will just be brought in under the universities yeah. and then that will be paid used to basically pay the you know pay salaries right is what it will more or less amount to but then you know it just will be interesting to see how everything changes at that point uh there will be a lot of things that will will certainly change about college athletics but that's always changing so that's no different than anything uh let's talk really quick about these transfers at iowa state and iowa both got uh we could start with the Cyclones. They got two of them, uh, add Kashawn Gilbert from UNLV and Jackson, uh, man. They didn't get any names that were easier to say. Uh, (laughs) that's certainly the case, but, uh, two guys that can really shoot the ball, uh, about 40% three point shooters. We know they needed that. I talked to, I talked to Jackson, uh, Pav, uh, man. You got it. Kavalecki. I talked to him uh, on Sunday and he told me that TJ had FaceTimed him from practice at the at the NCAA tournament uh, when he was recruiting him. And there's kind of a pause. And I was like, yeah. And then you watched that game against Pitt and you knew that these boys needed some help, didn't you? <laughs> He didn't find it as funny as I did in my, in my brain, but I, I felt like it was pretty funny. Uh, mm-hmm. This guy that's like a 40% three-point shooter, it's like you sit there, you're like, yeah, these guys need some help.
1: Well, what I know it sucks to in TJ in the Iowa State program and being a fan, but what better recruiting pitch is like, hey, we need some help to be really fucking good. <laughs>
0: We need somebody who can put the ball in the basket, my man.
1: We are begging for someone to shoot the three ball. Begging.
0: Yeah. Uh, Let us show
1: you in the first game of that state tournament.
0: Right, right. But to get two of them that have done, you know, our double-digit scores at the, uh, at the you know, UNLV in the Mountain West and then uh, Wofford in the SOCON. Uh, solid conferences, you know, guys that should be able to make a pretty solid leap. What What's do you think, the biggest thing for a guy that's a, uh, you know, maybe more of a combo guard, scorer type of off-ball guard. What would be the biggest adjustment going from a mid-major conference to playing in the Big 12?
1: I don't honestly think there's as big as a difference as there used to be. I think from guard play, from from that perspective, I think guard play is very similar from mid-major to high-major. The only thing that's a little bit different might be is just IQ. I think there's might be a little bit of IQ at the high high majors just because obviously you're playing in front of so many fans. There's so much that goes into it. Hist- history of your programs, who you're playing with, professionals that are on your team that are going to go on lottery picks. Like It takes some IQ to play high major basketball. So I think that's the only difference. But... I mean, that's, that necessarily can be learned from from a little bit of film work, like learning the system. Like that's not a hard thing to grasp. So that's really the only thing, to be honest.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think that these two guys will fit fit well alongside uh, Tame and Lipsy. They needed to get some good shooters around him just to take some of that pressure off of him.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you see everything they're doing that. What what we or especially you, obviously you know the team like your back of your hand. What they need is what they're getting. So mm-hmm. that shows you kind of the trajectory everyone was kind of already predicting on what was going to happen this, this offseason. I, I wasn't shocked at all that, that that's what they decided to go about.
0: Every time that Iowa State gets a commitment from a guard, one of the first things that will show up in my, in my mentions, what are we getting more guards for? We need bigs. <laughs> we need bigs there's no big, I, in the big 12 and i sit there and i'm like man who, like how many bigs does a team need they got three bigs
1: <laughs> it's not even like that big heavy of a conference either
0: no it guys i'm like i'm did you guys watch their team like did do you feel comfortable about the shooting ability of the team at this point i, no. I find that hard to believe that anybody would be turning down more shooting you know,
1: yeah, especially they've had established bigs. It's not even like they have like bigs coming in, they have like established bigs that have shown,
0: right? Right, like improve. Trey King's a proven player at yeah. this point. You know, Robert Jones, like, love him or hate him, Rob Jones is a proven player. You feel like you can, you know, what you're getting from Rob Jones on a night to night basis. And you're bringing in Omaha Baloo, too, who's obviously a really high level player that you feel really confident that he can come in and make an impact right away.
1: So, yeah. I well, nothing yeah. to hate against bigs either, but. When you're struggling to score the ball, you're gonna get a guard and someone can score the ball. You're not gonna get a big guy that can score the ball and clog up the offense and the, down the paint.
0: Unless you can get uh unless you can get Hunter Dickinson and put your uh, put your meat on the timeline like that guy from Arkansas. Yeah,
1: that was wild. That was that was one of the most insane episodes. People that haven't didn't follow see it, we Hunter Dickinson is on one of my shows and we had guys call in, leave voicemails. There's some crazy people out there, Jared. Some crazy people.
0: I don't know how he could turn down the pitch from that guy who wanted him to go to Villanova either. That was pretty great as well. uh,
1: That was the sweetest guy I think I've ever heard talk.
0: Yeah, he really wanted him to go there. Like, it just just, is... That was what I think would be funny, is that, like, half the people would be genuine and then half the people would be complete morons. And it, it would be...
1: There's it's no like, in between,
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, some people really want to sell you on their school, and the, yeah, and then the other people are like, This is why you should do this, and it's the stupidest reason that you could ever think of.
1: Yeah, just no in between at all. Not surprised, no. though.
0: No, he wherever he goes will uh be getting a very good player, though. Uh, I will got another good player uh out of the transfer portal as well. A big Ben is it Cricky? Is that I don't know how to pronounce it. <sighs> I hate that we don't know how to say it, but I, I'll admit that I don't know how to say it. Averaged 19 points per game uh, this past year, six foot nine. Played at Valparaiso, three time All Missouri Valley Conference player. What can you tell me about him?
1: I just think it's something Valpo has already been proven with Fran. We had uh, Bakari Evelyn come out, uh, Valpo. He played at Valpo. He's a grad transfer a couple years ago. Um, I'm not shocked on the get because we talked about it a few weeks back, um, what they needed to find their roster changes this upcoming year is they needed a big guy, someone that was going to be reliable down low, like a Phillip um, was this past season. And now they're kind of just searching for a guard and they need a stable guard. I think that's the final piece, a stable guard. And I mean, obviously if you can get shooters in the portal, that's always a premium. That's, that's always going to be number one, no matter how long this portal madness goes on and on. But I mean, they, they got, they got, I think they got their guy that will start at the five next year.
0: What, uh, I don't know. What do you think it feels like to be a Valpo fan or be like a fan of one of these schools that just like loses your guys all the time? You got a guy that's a 19 point per game scorer, and it's just like, yeah, (laughs) well, it was fun.
1: No offense to Valpo, but I don't think there's a lot of Valpo fans that are too upbeat, up, upworked about it. I don't think there's a lot of going on over there.
0: Well, I don't think they have a very good team right <laughs> now. I think they're looking, they're looking for a new head coach. Last I knew,
1: Valparaiso just, just, just t- say the school out loud. You think there's someone that's going to commit to Valparaiso?
0: Man, put some respect on Valpo's name. They've been I'm good before. They've been good before.
1: Don't they have been? I agree, but I'm just saying, put some
0: respect on the Drew family's
1: name. I'm just saying, you're a top 100 crew. I'm going to Valparaiso. And then there's silence. And the kid gets taken out back. (laughs) Yeah. You're not going to Valpo, son. (laughs) You're not. Billy, you're not going to Valpo.
0: (laughs) They had to change their name a couple years, their nickname, because they used to be the Crusaders. Uh, That. But I feel like that's like a most, like, why would anybody ever know what Valpo's? I I only know that because they changed it. I feel like they brought more attention to themselves by just changing their name, but they're just Valpo. Like if you ask any person on earth, what's Valpo's mascot? Not a single person would know.
1: If I had a gun to my head, I would not even come close to guessing that that was what it was.
0: I'm not sure what it is now. I just know what it used to be.
1: Well, I wouldn't even guess it was Crusaders.
0: what it used to be it's not anymore you got anything else that you want to talk about on tonight's show you've got to get up for an early flight so we're not we're gonna go short but i do
1: want to talk about this um we brought it up before the show this has to be one of the funniest twitter posts i've ever seen from a head coach um brad underwood posted this uh i don't know when it was a couple days ago
0: let me get the thing off there there we go
1: she said if the Big Ten had a boy band, best band name and wins the sign jersey from yours truly. It's a picture of Fran McCaffrey, Fred hoiberg Brad Underwood, and Tom Izzo. All in like flannel type
0: button ups. I don't even know. The yeah, the the plaid boys. Yeah. That would be the name of this band, the plaid boys. Uh I don't, I don't even know what they're doing. What are they doing? <laughs> I think they were at a coaches versus cancer event oh, okay. in Illinois. Uh what what instruments are everybody playing here fred hoiberg is obviously the front man he's the singer
1: yeah he's got to be the singer i think
0: it, is fran playing the drums fran looks like a drummer i think that tom Izzo would have at least one several minute long acoustic guitar solos every show
1: i don't know i see tom Izzo being like the ta- the tambourine guy i could see that too Brad They're Underwood, like, and he's like the...
0: They'd be like a, a really like M- a really bad version of Mumford and Sons. That's what <laughs> these guys would be.
1: They're like a really old NSYNC. Yeah. <laughs> like a really old, really, really
0: old. Brad Underwood just shreds on the bass.
1: I think he's one of those guys who just runs. He's like the hype guy. He just runs from side of the stage to side of the stage, just pumping up the crowd.
0: This feels Screening. out of character for Brad Underwood. This tweet, just in general, feels that's out what of character. I, that's what
1: I was thinking. It does not seem like he typed this.
0: Someone else took that picture, and they're like, oh, give me your phone. I got a good tweet yeah. for you. I, I,
1: I feel like it was either his wife, or if he has a daughter, one of his daughters, or maybe his son. They saw this photo, and like, you got to give me your Twitter account right now.
0: I love that everybody else is smiling, and Izzo looks like he's ready to go uh, tear into an official. <laughs>
1: Wait, I thought Fran McCaffrey was the only one that does that.
0: One of his guys just got called for a moving screen.
1: A moving screen that was so obvious, he should have been put in jail for, but he wasn't moving in Thomas's eyes.
0: Malik Hall and Tyson Walker are coming back, Coach. You, you can, you can smile. It's okay.
1: <laughs> I do like, the, I do like Thomas a lot. I mean,
0: I They're gonna show. have a good team. Well, yeah, I bet yeah. they'll have one of the top ten teams going into next season.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting. I saw Andy Katz. Have, I mean, not that. I mean, he knows what the hell he's talking about. But
0: hey, Andy Katz is a respected is a respected guy in the industry. You don't like Andy Katz? I don't. I didn't say I
1: didn't like him. I I think he he gets a little dry sometimes.
0: Yeah, I could see that. He is very much you know straight laced.
1: Yeah, I I know he gave me an interview at Big Ten Media today. My I've
0: met him before. He's a nice guy.
1: Yeah. Great. And very nice guy. Yeah. Not saying that He's a very, very nice guy, but he gave me an interview at uh big 10 media. I don't know what I can't remember if it was Chicago or Indianapolis um, or where the hell it was two years ago. And I kid you not, he was standing. Like I thought he was going to kiss me. Like he was standing <laughs> so close to me and I felt so awkward. Like hey. I was like, I was like slight, I was like turned to him. I was like, I feel like I'm about to like touch a cheek with you. I just felt very awkward. Like people that players that have been interviewed, like, no, like there's some reporters that get super close and he he was cross the line, my man. He was really crossing the line.
0: Hey, Andy, you're a legend, my man. If you are listening to this right now, it's all love. It's all love for me. Jordan Bohannon might be a hater, but it's all love from over here.
1: Hey, he hated on Fran McCaffrey. I'm, I'm, I'm on his bad side right now.
0: What do you put more stock into right now? Andy Katz is super 36. Or his or John Rothstein's twi- updated twice daily Rothstein forty
1: Rothstein because that guy does not sleep and I've seen firsthand I interviewed him early in the year and I I, I don't even think he talks to his wife. <laughs> We're having a baby. He probably won't even talk to the baby. The baby the baby will not talk to him for the first five years of his life.
0: Imagine all there will be a commercial at some point or he'll make a video where it's him talking about. Uh, Bryant's backcourt in like July, yeah. with his baby. Yeah.
1: You know, you go to the park with your kid. You go swing him on a swing set. Don't
0: I understand you know that college it. basketball is his is his hobby. Watching college basketball is his hobby, but man, just like go touch the grass, bro.
1: I, I feel like we're getting to the point where it's like the sayings need to stop. Like we we have a saying for everything now.
0: Well, it's funny because now, like, every college basketball media guy does some variation of it where a team wins a game and then they have, like, a little one liner, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I just think it's getting a little overkill at this point. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it, Jared.
0: Just wait till I start doing it next year. I'm going to start <laughs> <Yeah>. doing it.
1: <laughs> the first game of the season next year.
0: Yeah. I'll have a little, I'll have 400, 480 characters, whatever it is, for you right there, ready to go right <laughs> when the game ends. I love it. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you guys again next week. Peace. Iowa Everywhere.